If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome to the Leaving Eden podcast. Uh, to our new listeners, welcome. To our returning listeners, welcome back. Um, it's been a wild few weeks, but here we are. And by we, I mean myself, uh, Gabrielle Hakoen, and my co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. And I want to waste zero time in uh, getting into what we want to talk about today because this is not a normal episode because... Normally, uh, we schedule these episodes like a month, you know, like months in advance and record them probably five to six weeks in advance and then we release them. But this episode, like we had to get this like researched, written, recorded very quickly because it's very relevant to an ongoing issue. So uh, we decided to bump it up uh, in the schedule, uh, you know, to like write, record uh, and put it all out in like a week. So um we did have an interview that we had recorded with uh with a guest but uh, you know we're gonna air that next year uh sometime we just had to this was just such a pressing issue that we just had to get it in right away yeah and this is totally um trying something new for us so we're hoping that it works out to do these more like time sensitive episodes we noticed that sometimes there is breaking news 
and we want to discuss it with you, our listeners, as it's happening. Um, we want you to get the energy of when one of us texts each other. It's like, oh, my God, did you see this thing? Did you see the latest David Heil scandal? <laughs> right. Like the, the last time this happened was the new Dave Heil scandal about the, the lady that he was video calling in some other country. <sighs> and we didn't get to air our discussion about that until weeks later. And I really felt bad. I felt like our listeners missed out on getting our takes and like having our discussion and being a part of mine and yours finding out about this. Yeah. So today we're going to do this episode about something we only recently learned and we'll see how this goes and we'll see if this will work for breaking news in the future. Yeah. And so uh, speaking of listeners, this was a piece of information that was brought to our attention by a listener. Um, Thank you, listener. Yeah, and so uh, this information is that – so Jonathan Mattingly, who is uh, one of the police officers in Louisville, Kentucky, that was involved in the fatal shooting of uh, Breonna Taylor. And this is one of those uh, instances of of black people dying at the hands of police that that was one of the things that really sparked a lot of this civil unrest that went on this year in 2020. So this man, Jonathan Mattingly – was at least at one point in his life a member of of uh, the Independent Fundamental Baptist, uh, one of their churches. Yes. So there's there is like so much to unpack here. Yeah, gonna- there is a lot to unpack here. But basically, what we found out was um, uh, that in the ABC in the 2020 documentary, uh, it was just like a, a passing detail that oh. Uh, in what was it, 1991, he said, I want to go to Hiles Anderson College and then come back and, and uh, study to be a police officer. This guy, like 18. And nobody would have thought anything about that. But then, you know, if, if you're like us and you're, you're sort of tuned into these issues, if you weren't looking for it, you wouldn't have seen it. But like we we saw that, you know, this was brought to our attention. We're like, oh, whoa, this needs a second look. Right. So like somebody who didn't know what Hiles Anderson College was wouldn't have thought anything. Oh, like that's just some college I've never heard of, whatever. Yeah. But if you know, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're able to pick out, oh, he Push was, okay, why was he going to Hiles Anderson College? Was this guy in the IFB? Like what is, what is going on here? So we did uh, a little bit of digging to yeah, we did figure do a bit out of what's digging. going on. Um, um, do you want to talk about, okay, Let's talk about uh, who – so who this guy is. Yeah, so this guy's name is Jonathan Mattingly. Uh, he is – or or yeah, he, I guess he currently still is uh, an officer of uh, – a police officer in the, the Louisville uh, Police Department on their police force. Uh, I think he's been placed on administrative leave because of the, the shooting of Breonna Taylor, but uh, – he, he was not the officer who was charged, who was who was given charges. I think that he was one of the ones who was uh, they they declined to charge him to to bring mm-hmm. charges against him. Yeah, that's correct. There were like seven officers on executing the no knock warrant in the middle of the night at Brianna Taylor's house. Yes. Um, so Jonathan Mattingly is the one who was shot uh, by Brianna Taylor's boyfriend Kenneth Walker, uh, who was a legal gun owner. Yeah, he was he was a legal gun owner and yes. um they what what I read in the interview was that uh this guy this uh Jonathan Mattingly was uh, was shot it, the bullet grazed his leg, I believe is what happened. 
he wasn't like shot it was like a, a very you know it like grazed his leg and but that was you know they heard gunshots go in guns blazing mm-hmm. Ronna Taylor gets killed right um so Matt, the way he tells the story, if you listen to the Mattingly interview on uh, ABC. And also, you know, if you read the interview with him, um, it was also on ABC's website. Right. There's lots of information there. But the the way he tells the story, he thought he got hit in the femoral artery um, and he thought he was dying, according to him. Yeah. Uh, so in any way, this is one of the people that was involved in the in the Breonna Taylor shooting Mm -hmm. and i think we can get a little bit more into like what happened and what he had to say about what happened in a minute right i want to explain what this is about going to hiles anderson for one year yes because this is something that i said because when you were like you went to hiles anderson but the emphasis for you at least because you were on this this jericho student uh uh loan mm-hmm. program or whatever this you were on this jericho program so they were going to try to get you there for four years so right by the time i went there the culture was very different it was it was go for four years don't just come for one year you know you, you if you go you need to go until you graduate yeah, so why would somebody go to Hiles Anderson College for one year? So this was a thing uh, back in, I would say, the 80s through the early 2000s. So for quite a while, this was a thing that you did. If you were a young person growing up in an IFB church, uh, and, and keep in mind, this is during the height of the IFB movement. This is when IFB churches had the most people. And Jack um, Hiles was still alive during this time. Right. Hiles is still alive. Hiles Anderson is huge. You know, when I went there, we were barely over a thousand students. And I think that number was a lie. Um, at this point in time, Hiles Anderson was like 2,500 students. So over twice the size of when well, I was some, there. So much, much, much bigger. Yeah. So, so this is the thing that you would do if you were a young person growing up in the IFB, but you didn't want to pursue a career in the ministry. So you wanted to be a police officer or you wanted to be a nurse or an architect or whatever. Yeah. And Jonathan Mattingly, like he said, I want to be a police officer, but I'm going to go to the IFB uh, 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 school for one year. I'm going to go to House Anderson for one year. Then I'm going to go back to Louisville, study criminal justice, be a cop. Right. So this is something that you would do. And it was often to kind of appease IFB parents. Like your parents would say, well, I guess I'll support you being a police officer or or a nurse or whatever if you'll go to Hiles Anderson for one year first. And Jonathan Mattingly's father is Lonnie Mattingly, who's a fairly well-known preacher within the IFB and uh, pastored Shawnee Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky for many, many years. Okay, so this guy, it would have been like socially expected for him to be mm-hmm. going to Hiles. Like, if the pastor's kid didn't go to this school for like mm-hmm. at least one year, there would that would have raised some eyebrows, right? So this is likely, and this is conjecture, but this is likely the kind of situation where his dad said, "You know, I understand that you you don't want to go into the ministry and like whatever. I'm not going to change your mind about this, but you have to go to Hiles Anderson for a year first. So there's going to be social pressure to do that. Like, is, is there any other reason why you would go to Hiles Anderson yeah, for just one year? Yeah, there are definitely a couple. So I can I can kind of give you some insight into why there was that social pressure. 
Yeah. Um, first, I wanted to say we can absolutely confirm that Mattingly did enroll in Hiles Anderson in the fall of 1991. We found a 1992 Hiles Anderson yearbook, and his picture is in the freshman section. Yeah, and so if you check our Instagram account, um, then we you you will be able to see that picture there. But we can confirm, in fact, that uh, that Jonathan Mattingly was at Hiles Anderson College from the fall of 1991 to the spring of 1992. Right. So here are some reasons that the IFB system would pressure you into going to Hiles Anderson for one year. Okay. So Shoot. the the idea was that you would go number one it's like a test to see if being in a secular non-religious job is really the will of god for you uh or if you would go so you go to hiles anderson and you've got chapel every single day uh you've got three church services a week so that's eight church services a week and then you've got bus meeting on saturday so you know you're in between eight and twelve church services every single week they really throw you in the deep end there, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and you're you're going soul winning and all of your classes are, are religiously based. And basically, if you're not really, really dead set in the idea of, no, I absolutely, I want to be, you know, this other career that's not in the IFB church system. If you're not dead set on it, going to Hiles Anderson for a year is a real good way to get talked out of it. And to get huh. talked into, and remember I told you about the religious experience that you have, like when you get called to do something. Yes. So you go to Hiles Anderson and you get called to do something in like Hiles Anderson Chapel. And then you give up on whatever that other career was. So maybe your dad is an IFB pastor and he sends you to Hiles Anderson and then he sends like a note to Jack Hiles. He's mm -hmm. like, hey, Jack. My boy wants to be a cop, but I'd rather him do, you know, really go into the ministry instead. So he you can take over my church from me when I'm old. Yeah, you want to see if you can do anything about this? And then Jack Hiles is going to be like, Jonathan, you're going to like, Jesus is calling you. <laughs> God is calling you. And then how are you going to say no to that? Yeah. So the, the terminology. This is all hypothetical. We we. We, we don't, don't know, know that about any this. of this actually, actually But no, happened. like that that the your your idea of how this could happen is dead on. Yeah. Um definitely the terminology that would be used like is you know, you have to know the code speak to know the code speak. But no, that's totally a possible thing that can happen. Um so, you know, when like, I was Do we have any documented instances of this? Uh when I was growing up, um I wanted to be a nurse because my grandmother who I loved dearly and was incredibly influential on my life uh was a nurse uh and until i realized that i'm freaked out by blood i really wanted <laughs> uh, before i realized that i don't have the stomach for it at all i really wanted to be a nurse like my grandmother and my dad told me that he would and my dad's not you know nearly as manipulative as other hypothetical IFB fathers that we're talking about. But he told me that, that he would support me, but I would have to go to Hiles Anderson for one year first. And then if I did that and I still felt like it was God's will for me to be a nurse, then uh, I could go to nursing school and go on and do that. Wow. Okay, then. that's I guess that's a good example. Yeah. So like this is, and, and you know, if you go to Hiles Anderson Chapel, it's a very, very common thing to have throughout the course of the year people still surrendering, like people still getting called to preach. 
uh, who didn't went to Hiles Anderson and weren't considering themselves like called to be a preacher or called to be a missionary. So even in chapel services at Hiles Anderson, you're still having people get saved. You're still having Hiles Anderson students get baptized. Uh, you're having people get called to preach, called to be a missionary. Like this, I've seen this happen dozens, if not hundreds, of times. Interesting. So another reason that you might get pressured into going to Hiles Anderson um, for you know just one year before you start your career, um, one reason and the other main reason would be to find an appropriate IFB spouse. So they're thinking oh, okay, like, okay, sense. if this guy really wants to grow up and be a police officer, you know, we're not going to be able to, to stop him from doing that or force him into the ministry, but we can keep him in the IFB system and we can keep his tithe money and we can keep his children in the system as long as he marries an IFB woman who will keep him in line and like keep him in church and raise their children in church. Okay. You know, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect. Cause you know, you get a bunch of like-minded people together and you know some of them are going to fall for each other that's just kind of right. how this thing that how this works and there's also such a focus on dating at hiles anderson like i've told you before about jack scop making all the men who didn't have a date to certain college activity like the valentine's banquet or whatever making them stand up in chapel and then like oh. making them ask like okay well all the girls who don't have a date stand up and then like having a you know making people ask each other out in front of the entire student body in chapel like it's a it's like a humiliation tactic yeah, if you don't ask that, uh, yeah like if you don't ask somebody out i'm gonna make you ask somebody out and like encouraging you know everybody has to have a date to this activity so with that kind of dating culture one of two things could happen one you could find an appropriate like IFB spouse and get engaged really quickly and then stay engaged for a while. Uh, maybe the other, maybe the, the, the spouse or the other person was still finishing school at Hiles Anderson and you ended up going into your secular career, but then you'd get back together and be an IFB family. Or you would get a boyfriend or girlfriend and then your boyfriend or girlfriend would get counseled by the by the teachers at Hiles Anderson to encourage you to come back for just one more year. And then it's just one more, just one more, just one more until you've been suckered into graduating from Hiles Anderson and giving them all the money that that entails. Mm. Yeah. But suffice to say, like, you would not be a student at Hiles Anderson Bible College Unless you were like hardcore IFB, unless you were like all the way in. Unless you were or your family was or both. Right. So and, and so this is that's the background of why you might go to Hiles Anderson for just one year. And that's what immediately came to mind when I saw this background image about Jonathan Mattingly. But knowing that his father was a prominent IFB pastor, when you put all these pieces together, it totally 100 percent makes sense. The only thing I wasn't able to track down was whether his wife was ever a Hiles Anderson student because um, we we don't have we don't have her name right and I like frankly I don't feel like we need it yeah and like, I don't feel she like didn't if, do anything if we had her name we wouldn't want to say it on this podcast anyway because that's really just not like I'm not responsible for my husband's actions why would I hold this woman responsible for her husband's actions 
Yeah, I mean, the IFB believes that she would be responsible for her husband's actions, but that's not us. That's and gross also, and like, wrong. Who, like, who, whoever, whoever she is, that's that's entirely immaterial to anything that he's done. Um, right. So, yeah. So, so basically, we have all of this information because. Um, because uh, Mattingly gave an interview to ABC um, and this, and so what we're trying to do here is really just kind of contextualize all of this. So I don't know if you read this interview. I read the interview um, and in the interview, uh, cause he's, I, I believe he is the only one of the officers who was involved in this police shooting uh, to, to speak out publicly. Am I right about that? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but that does sound right to me. I haven't seen anything from any of the other officers. Uh, but so when I, I watched the interview and I read the interview and he spoke very like apologetically sort of, and I'll tell you what I mean by that is that, okay. So I totally want to hear what you mean by that. Cause I know what I think about it. Yeah. So uh, he said all these things about his, like, I regret that Brianna Taylor was killed and he said that, um, like, her death will haunt me forever, you know, things like that. And so then he goes on to say things like, okay, well, the police used X tactic when they should have used Y tactic. And they should have, uh, they waited this amount of time before barging into the apartment when they should have done it right away. And that's basically what he's like. And if we had done this differently and this differently and this differently, uh, she wouldn't have been killed. But never in the interview does he say, which like the which is the, the the fact of the matter is that they shouldn't have ever been at that apartment to begin with because they were operating off of bad mm-hmm. information, right? Exactly. I mean that's that's the case. Like they were operating off of bad information. Um, like the guy that they were looking for wasn't even there, and even though they were like we were a hundred percent sure that this guy was going to be there, he wasn't there. And that nobody who was there, so Brianna and her boyfriend, neither of them were suspected even of any crime. And like then he additionally, he maintains that the police officers who were there, they announced that they were police. And like, despite the fact that they had a no knock warrant, so they weren't legally required to. And despite the fact that like witnesses contradicted this statement so the witnesses said yeah they didn't announce that they were police but he and all of the police officers said yeah we definitely announced it um you can decide who you believe um but what i see the problem is here is that police are you know he he didn't admit that police are like running around with no knock search warrants based on bad information because I mean that wouldn't just implicate the police department, because that would also implicate the entire judicial system in Louisville, which operates in tandem with the police department. Mm-hmm. Because you know, to, yeah, to get a search warrant for somebody's house, you've got to say, uh, "We believe there is evidence of X crime being committed or whatever in this house." And for you to get a no-knock search warrant, you have to have evidence that either a the person's going to like jump and run 
or B, they're going to destroy the evidence um, before you can get in. You know, like if it's like they were suspecting drugs in this case. So they're like, oh, well, we suspect they're going to like flush the drugs down the toilet or something like that. And so that's where they would have a no-knock warrant. But there's like a higher degree of stringency, which like there is a higher degree of like evidence, which you have to have in order to get a no knock warrant, as opposed to a regular search warrant, like a regular search warrant, you have to knock on the door. You have to be like, we're going to search your house. And then they wait while you you search it. This is like a level above that. So the fact that like there is the police are running around with no knock search warrants in Louisville based on bad information, that would be a stunning indictment of the entire judicial system of that city. Mm-hmm. So like to me, like maybe Mattingly does really feel bad about this, this involvement with Breonna Taylor's death, but he, he like, he doesn't feel bad enough to actually give us the story that makes any sense about what happened. He doesn't feel bad enough to, not deflect the blame from the police department um, or the institution, which is the institution that he's defending. Exactly. And it's really interesting that he is expending so much energy to defend an institution like that. That is, that is why it will get, we'll get there anyway. um, Would this sound like, like this is clearly like the police officers in this situation had poor training um, and then uh, also incredibly poor policies. And like that is integral to why this happened. But I right. agree with you about like what the vibe that I'm getting when I hear Mattingly speaking, because I watched a good bit of the interview footage of him uh, speaking about the shooting. And I absolutely agree. I get the same vibe as you that he feels like he didn't do anything wrong. And he wants everybody to know about how much he feels like he didn't do anything wrong. But I agree. I do get the feeling that he does, to some extent, sincerely feel bad about his involvement and the fact that Breonna Taylor died. But you hit it on oh, the I'm head. Oh, I'm sure he does. Who wouldn't? Right. Like, and, and I mean, like, he's he's not he's not soulless. I'm not, not trying inhuman. to say that he's soulless or like inhuman or like a sociopath or, or just like somebody who just doesn't care about other people. But like he doesn't there's a there's a disconnect like he doesn't feel quite bad enough for whatever reason or he doesn't feel like he's able to say I was wrong or we were wrong or no knock warrants in the middle of the night are generally usually wrong or Brianna's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, was doing what every Second Amendment supporter spends hours talking about how they would do the same thing. Yeah, the police come for me. Like, what are they going to do? I've got guns. I can take them on. Like, I've heard people say, like, I have two A friends. Like, I'm not I don't live in a complete liberal bubble. And like and I have liberal two A friends, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm liberal two A people. They exist. They're everywhere. <laughs> there are more and more of them recently. If you notice a lot of them. Yeah. But like. That's you know that's what two A people say all the time. It's like oh, if somebody bursts into my house in the middle of the night and they say they have a gun, I'm going to be able to take them down. And for whatever reason, Jonathan Mattingly does not feel like he's capable of admitting personal guilt or institutional guilt. Which sounds and this is what we made this podcast episode about. This sounds very IFB. Yeah. 
Like, I don't think we would have done this episode if it was just like, oh, this guy happened to be a member of the IFB. We don't really have anything else other than that. Like, we're doing this because he gave an interview and he did the X, Y, Z thing that we're like, ah, okay, well, you wouldn't see that if you were looking at it normally, but because we know what to look for. Right. Like, if you don't know what the IFB is, you just see a guy who doesn't want to take responsibility for what happened. Or doesn't want to put responsibility on his department or doesn't want to put responsibility on the justice system in Louisville or the court system or whoever's favorite judge or whatever. But knowing that this is an IFB guy totally changes the perspective on this. Right. And you have more experience with IFB guys than I do. But one thing that I also want to to point out is that he is still apparently under internal review – from the Louisville Police Department. And of course, you know, we, you know, we always hear about police departments having a sort of, it's what the blue wall of silence. Mm -hmm. So if you say anything that could implicate any of your other officers, then it's going to, then when it comes down to either internal reviews or uh, preferential treatment or, or, poor treatment at the hands of other officers like you're going to be one of the ones that's going to get the short end of the stick Mm -hmm. so if he's still under investigation he's not going to be able to say anything against the department right yeah because the department's also got his fate in the balance but you know what that sounds so much like what does that sound like? Tell me, tell me, the tell me. The internal reviews that an IFB church does when someone on their staff sexually abuses someone. The internal review that that First Baptist Church of Hammond conducted over Jack Scobb. The internal review that has happened every time there's been a Hiles Anderson staff member sex scandal. The internal reviews, by the way, that Lottie, Lonnie Mattingly's church conducted when they had three child abuse sex scandals in about 18 months in the 90s. Wait, so so you're telling me, so Jonathan... Man, I'm so sorry, I'm this, putting, <laughs> I feel this, like I'm putting on my Joe Rogan voice for this podcast because I'm yelling a lot, but I'm drinking oh coffee and I feel very passionate. Well, I mean, so but I want to back up right there because so Lonnie, Lonnie Mattingly is uh, Jonathan Mattingly's father. Mm -hmm. Lonnie Mattingly, IFB uh, preacher at a church in Louisville. Mm -hmm. And these are, and at this church, and this is uh, presumably the church that uh, Jonathan grew up in, that he presumably went back to after he finished his year at Hiles Anderson College. We can't say this for sure, but this is, this is, uh, what's sort of expected that you know you you go back home you're mm-hmm. gonna as far as we know this, this is church. what happened yeah. in the church i double checked myself it is called shawnee baptist church shawnee baptist church and so you're saying that during this time after so after uh uh, uh jonathan was he did his years Hiles anderson goes back to louisville as far shows as we back know up. Mm-hmm. yeah and during these years there is sexual abuse scandals at his father's church 
Right. Just just going to say that we have no evidence. We are not suggesting that Jonathan was at all involved in these sex scandals. Right. We don't even know for sure that he was attending his father's church at the time. We just assume he probably was based on, you know, things that he said, IFB culture, so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so we we are not we're not accusing him of being a, a sexual abuser in in any way. That would be wrong for us to do that because we don't have any evidence of that. No, we're accusing his father of being someone who covers up for sex abusers. Right. Uh, and this is based on a testimony um, of somebody that I am not able to name at this point. Uh, this was posted by a incredibly reputable source uh, in a private group for for first for, for um IFB survivors. So you have it. You have it on good information. Incredibly that you s- good authority that you would stake your reputation on that this is true. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, okay. I know, I know the person peripherally who posted this. I'm just not able to say their name. Right. Okay. So, um, in 1993, so this is the year that we assume Jonathan Mattingly was came home from Hiles Anderson. So we're assuming that he saw all of this go down at his father's church. So he goes to Hiles Anderson for 1991, fall of 1991, spring, spring of, 19. of 1992, comes home that summer. And then 1993, the next year, yeah. a very familiar story within the IFB, a child sex abuse cover up, an assistant pastor with the last name of Crowley, which is a real shame. That's a waste of a great last name, you know, like Alistair Crowley, but. Mr. Crowley. Exactly what's been in my head all day as I've been <laughs> getting this episode ready. We're both metalheads and Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> is the um is like the Yoda. Of we are gonna do we need a whole episode on Ozzy at some point. We will. Um okay. but I mean but back to this very but serious this, matter. But, but Mr. Yeah, Crowley. Sorry, we keep getting this, sidetracked. This guy with the last name of Crowley. Uh he was raping a sixth grade bus kid. Oh, uh and the church supported that's horrible. Yeah, sixth grade girl, eleven or twelve. <sighs> Uh, oh. heartbreaking and, and disgusting and terrible. Um, the church supported this guy and they believed that he was innocent, uh, like gave him money, supported him right up until the day that he was removed from church property and handcuffs. The very next year. So within 12 months of that, disgusting. another assistant pastor whose name is Jim Colley was raping a 15 year old student from the Christian school. And again, this one was covered up. Uh, Pastor Mattingly reportedly said, quote, leave now and I will give you a good recommendation. Stay and I will have to tell the girl's father. And since the girl's father had just donated millions to the church, no one wanted to tell him. So Mattingly let this dude pull a Dave Hiles and sent him to another church. Well, this guy pulled a Jack Hiles and sent uh, an abuser, like a known abuser somewhere else in the country so that... And gave him a good recommendation. Yeah. And and what, in, in IFB code speak, by the way, I wanted to speak to the um, stay and I will have to tell the girl's father. In IFB code, what he is doing is he is treating this as an affair and not as a rape. Just to be clear on what that means, I will have to tell her father. That's a that's a coded message there. Uh, so yeah, Matt, uh, Lonnie Mattingly, the father, pulls a Jack Hiles, sends this dude uh, to another place where he can hurt other people. And within that same year, there was another sex scandal. A 24-year-old female teacher from the Christian school was having an ongoing sexual relationship with a 15 or 16-year-old teenage boy from the Christian school. 
Uh, which awesome. is also rape because we that's would say really that skeezy because that's the same age difference between Dave Hiles and and his teenage victims. So yeah, no. That, um, so this is gross. Okay. This is disgusting. And then to to put my my final thought on this, um, those three scandals, the information I got about them, I was not able to find police records for those, probably just because they were covered up. But I do want to to cover my butt and say that is based on one person's incredibly credible but one person's testimony. But anyway, yeah, that's the kind of bullshit that Jonathan Mattingly saw his father pull uh, when Jonathan Mattingly would have been a young man just in his early 20s. And Lonnie Mattingly remained the the pastor at this church up until what year 2009, was 2009, I think. 2009. So uh, it covers, covers up three sex scandals within 18 months. And who knows how um, many more there were. And then gets to be... Uh, and then keeps his ministry for another 15 years until he retires at um for what i assume is because he's old not because uh yeah he went into so I, i looked up what the dad did he went into evangelism i think for a little while he was a pastor he was an assistant pastor at another church for a little bit and now he is pastoring a very small church i think it's in rural pennsylvania yeah but he's gone on to 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 semi retirement pastoring a very small church of only about 30, 40 people. So growing up as the child of an IFB pastor um, and then, you know, being around during a scandal like this, we know that Jonathan Mattingly experienced trying, you know, somebody trying to deflect blame for wrongdoing. And Mm -hmm. he may have even, you know, if there were people asking questions, you know, he was almost definitely told, like, say this, not that, say this, not that. This is what you're allowed to say. Like, and I'll be honest, like in this interview, if I like that, that he gave to ABC, if I didn't know the details of the case, if I hadn't, you know, very obsessively been trying to read about the details of the case being like, okay, what's going on? Let me parse this out. What's uh, the actual issue here? Um, if if I didn't know the details of that, he, what he, he would have done a very convincing job of deflecting that blame. And I think that he's counting on people not knowing the details because I know that his involvement, I know of his involvement with the IFB and I know that this is that these are, are three scandals that he was there for, presumably. And so I know to look at these sort of things. And it's the sort of thing where if you like we keep saying over and over, you wouldn't see it if you weren't looking for it specifically. But because we know what to look for, it's all over the place. Like if there is one thing about the IFB that we understand, we understand that they will always frame systemic abuses, uh, be the sexual abuse, child abuse, whatever. They will always frame systemic abuses as a bunch of individual moral failings to preserve the system rather than saying this is an actual systemic issue that we need to look at. And if you look at what Mattingly has done here, he said, with this warrant, with this search, uh, and with this shootout that we got into, it wasn't, oh, we shouldn't have been in there in the first place. We really got this warrant based off of uh, really faulty information, and they shouldn't have given us the warrant in the first place because who we were looking for that we said, you know, we have, we're certain that this guy's going to be there. He wasn't there, and no one was there that 
they were looking for and they killed somebody else by mistake. Like rather than saying, rather than framing that as a systemic failure, they've been like, well, everything would have been fine if we'd have just done this tactic instead of this tactic. Like right. that, that's and what could possibly be more IFB than that? I yeah. mean, I'm, it's that we know that this guy, Jonathan Mattingly, he went to Hiles Anderson two years after the Hiles Nischik scandal. His father still chose to send him and encourage him to go, most likely, uh, right. to Hiles Anderson College after the Hiles scandal broke. Um. You know, he so he he did, you know, this is after the Heil scandal broke and then just before the A.V. Bellinger scandal broke. And we know his father continued to support First Baptist Church of Hammond uh, until until at least 2009, uh, because I have because I I know that um, because I've been to conferences at his church and we have listeners who have been to conferences at his church. We know that Jack Scott spoke at Shawnee Baptist Church uh, when Lonnie Mattingly was the pastor uh, sometime in the early 2000s, uh, 2004 ish ish. Um, so they remain John, in the same camp. Yes. But John Mattingly saw all of this stuff happen and he saw these sexual abuse scandals at his dad's church covered up. And he has been taught to not see things as a systemic abuse problem. And now he's on ABC uh, claiming that there's no systemic abuse problem. And I, I feel like this has got to be all related. Yeah, well, so one of the things uh, we also want to go back to in because in, in episode two of this show, we mm-hmm. talked about the issues relating to uh, racism as as like a doctrine within the IFB. And we can't talk about this Breonna Taylor shooting without talking about police brutality against black people and 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 uh police killings of, of black people specifically uh, with regards to race and stuff like that and we talked about in that episode how the roots of racism in this country are religious um and yeah. and like you it's not that religion 100 percent causes racism um but that but it's used as a it justification is, for right. uh for you cannot racism completely untangle american racism uh from misuse of scripture and misuse of christianity uh specifically the curse of ham uh doctrine and how that was used as justification to get christian people to enslave people right and see we can't we can't say for sure you know what is in officer mattingly's head like you know that would just be I I would be wrong if i could say that however i can say that i know he has been brought up in and, and raised within a system that has these sorts of beliefs in it. Mm-hmm. So if, I mean, let's. I mean, Hiles Anderson College yeah. was still discouraging interracial relationships at the time that he went there. Yeah. And I would put, and I obviously I can't tell you what he did or didn't hear uh, before I was ever alive. Uh, but I would put an awful lot of money on the fact on, on him having been presented with the curse of ham doctrine i would put so much money on that well we know people who were at hiles anderson college at the same time as he was Mm -hmm. so we know what the like through talking to those people we know what the pervasive culture was at this bible college during that time 
So we know what like the IFB culture was like during that time because we know people, we've talked to people, and we can say, well, if you were there at this time, then you would have been exposed to this. You would have been uh, been hearing this type of rhetoric, this type of propaganda. And whether I mean, whether or not you really take that to heart is all going to be up to you. But there's going to be a certain amount of it that even if you're trying to reject it, you're still going to absorb it via osmosis just because it's so prevalent. Right. And, and like we talked about before, that kind of that kind of bad teaching and, and bad philosophy and bad theology, it doesn't just go away. You've got to actually actively expunge it from yourself. Yeah. Um it that does not just disappear. You know, that's that's something that you've got to deprogram yourself. Like and not only, you know, was was Hiles Anderson and the IFB movement of the nineties a actively racist environment. Um, we're also talking about an actively misogynist environment. Um Right. Well we know is. that because of all of the abuse. <laughs> right. Uh it's also a toxic and actively abusive environment. Um you know, Hiles Anderson was compared to boot camp and you know, being over in the IFB movement as a whole, being overworked and traumatized was glorified and it's institutionalized PTSD um, that you can get from being in a place like that. And I would I would again, this is a this is conjecture, but I would wager that Jonathan Mattingly had a an upbringing not too dissimilar from what I had. Um, in the sense your father that was also an IFB my dad pastor. was also an IFB pastor. So I'm sure that, that Mattingly was also going to going to soul winning on Saturdays and, and being expected to do a lot of work for the church. Um, and it's like, I, I'm sure that he at some point, you know, ran into the, the toxicity and the abusiveness of the IFB environment, whether that was at Hiles Anderson or before. Yeah. And, and he grew up in an environment that was anti-education and anti-progress and extremely politically conservative. It's so very reactionary. Extremely reactionary. And yeah. it's not like what I really wanted to say. It's, it's not that attending First Baptist Church of Hammond or attending an IFB church or going to Hiles Anderson College makes you by default or by definition a murderer or a racist or a misogynist. No, 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 no. Of course Of not. course not. Like there are plenty of people who have learned you know learned oh this is what these are the things that i messed up and i'm not going to do them anymore and, and are better people and and are not racists or murderers that at one point were in the ifb um or even still are frankly but these environments they teach racism they teach anger and rage and outrage and they teach misogyny so if someone were going to fire on a black woman or if someone were going to serve a sloppy no-knock warrant for potentially racist reasons would it would it shock you that that person was taught institutional racism and was taught institutional misogyny yeah and just like just to, to clarify that you've said that uh that Mattingly is not the person who f actually fired any of the shots no, but he's a person who he allowed. He was involved in the yeah. Right, he allowed a sloppy warrant to be served. Like the the very least that we can that we can say is that this was definitely this was this was sloppy. This was not thought all the way through. And uh, he was complicit at least in this situation. Right, and I'm not saying that you know 
so so at the very least we can say he made a bad call now my personal feelings are that he did way worse than that but but completely objectively he made a terrible terrible call and i'm not saying that hiles anderson or the ifb movement made him make that call but i I just want to ask would these traits that we've talked about of the IFB movement and of Hiles Anderson College make someone more likely or less likely to make a bad decision on the level that Jonathan Mattingly did. Right. And there's, so that brings me to something else that I want to talk about because if, if I were running a police department um, and say, say I were a very, you know, I were running a police department, I were a, a, police officer or, or like a, a police captain or something um, or, or police commissioner, you know, I'd just been promoted to the superintendent or the, the super uh, the, the commissioner or whatever of, uh, of a local police department. And I were like, well, I want to make my police department very, you know, trusted, very by the book, that sort of thing that, and I'm just putting myself in the shoes of somebody like that. And I get somebody who is applying to be a police officer, going through police academy, stuff like that. And I find out, oh, well, this guy, he's not just a Christian because, you know, like any religion can be a police officer if they want to. Um, This guy is really part of a group that has a lot of these fringe beliefs and they really like somebody who is a member of the IFB, somebody who has been raised in what is clearly like such a racist environment, you know, that would at least set off a red flag for me where I should say, hey, wait a minute, we should look at this person's religious beliefs and see if that might actually be a cause of bias in the case of, uh, of you know, maybe the way that they would conduct themselves as an officer because the way that they would make difficult decisions like when do we use a no-knock warrant yeah when do and that might not have been this guy's decision for all we know this that might not have been this guy's decision but the fact that somebody who was raised in such a you know a, a deeply prejudiced environment was so easily was able to you know stay as a police officer for like what third uh, almost 30 years of this guy's life he was a police officer and from what i can tell he you know he was thriving in that position that says a lot to me that somebody who is like part of one of these fringe religious groups could be so successful and you know fit in so well for so long within this department i mean that's like a canary in the coal mine right there that's almost like the definition of a canary in the coal mine yeah, see what that, I'm that is a disturbing thought. And it's like, you know, I have, to be completely honest, I've known uh, men within the IFB that were in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've known some that I don't have any more problem with than I have with any police officer. Uh, that, right. you know, it's like, well, I have a problem with you because you're complicit in a system that isn't working. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a problem with you because you're complicit in a system that hurts people. Uh, unnecessarily, but no more than any other 
you know, police officer of like, this is a system that's got to get fixed or taken apart and put back together again in a different way. Like this guy's not, you know, going out of his way to no. to attack people. Like, yeah. I've, like, like I've known, yeah, I've known IFB cops that were no worse than any other cop. However, but I feel like that says a lot about more about like regular cops than it does about <laughs> cops. Yeah, true that. But but what I think there is like there's I just can't let go of the connection here. You know, the IFB is a racist place, racist system. It is. And it's a system where you're conditioned. I mean, is there any way that that Jonathan Mattingly was conditioned to think that things would always be covered up for him? Because he watched his father and he watched Jack Hiles and he watched the administration at Hiles Anderson College cover up for other people. Like, you know, maybe yeah. maybe that led him to think that, like, oh, well, covering up for people is what we do. Or that when somebody makes a, a bad decision, it's not really their fault. It was just the devil tempting them and, like, they should get forgiven and restored. Like, the mindset that he exhibits and the mindset- We do love a good uh, uh, redemption narrative, don't we? Ugh. I don't. I don't know. I think I might be over redemption narratives. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's not. And I think we've made our point that it's it's not that this makes you a bad person, or it's not that it, you know, it's not that you know Brianna Taylor died because of the IFB. But there is there is a connection, and I don't think that connection should be ignored. No. Um, I mean, I sent emails, I sent Twitter messages to several journalists who, you know, for major publications who were covering this. I was like, maybe this is something that you want to take a look into. And none of them really, none of them got back to you me. You have I, to understand, yeah. like... I mean, their inboxes are probably full. I know my true. brother's my brother's a journalist and he gets like so many messages from so many people about so many different things. And he's like, a lot of this stuff isn't newsworthy. This maybe it's newsworthy, worthy, um, but like I, I feel like in, in, unless we can push, like I, unless they can really like find something that was like X caused Y, then it it feels like uh, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and and we don't have that. We don't have this caused that. No, but we, we don't. Have... But it's something to look at and it's something to pay attention to. Right, but we have this. Is just like this is a connection. It, this is it's a discussion and it's a connection. But I was what I wanted to say is though is Gavi, like how many hours have you spent in the world of the IFB at this point? I mean, just the amount Thousands, of time. That... How many? How many hours though? Think about all the hours that we spent writing episodes, recording episodes. When you edit them, when, when I'm you just research to you, things, yeah. right? You've spent hundreds of hours in this in the psychological world of the IFB. You know, As people, a guest, right? And, Not and as of course, a permanent I've, resident. Right. But you wouldn't have made this connection, you know, months and months ago either before you started researching these things with me. Right. Anyway. Mm. I don't know. The, the last thing that I want to say about this um, is that uh, so in the intro to most of the episodes that we have um, – I say something along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, we do this podcast because we want to and uh, like educate and inform our listeners about the clear and present danger that the IFB and other cult groups have on society as a whole. Where here is an example of IFB culture. 
and somebody who is a member or somebody who had a strong IFB upbringing being involved in a violent act that not only claimed an innocent life, but was also a catalyst for massive social upheaval across the country. You know, massive social unrest and divisiveness like within our society and within our country and even worldwide. So when I say things like that, when I say, you know, the IFB and like other, you know, cult groups and, and stuff like that and, and and fundamentalist Christian um, you know, and, and people who are really extreme about that sort of thing. When I say that these groups pose a danger, I'm not joking. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good in an intro. I'm saying that because I honestly believe it. And this is just another example of why. Right. And this is, I think this is a great example of the idea that very few IFB members are harmful individual humans. Right. It, we most, want to make that clear because, you know, I no even, hate. Right. For, even, well, even the most yeah. sold out IFB family, you know, the mom and the daughters only wear skirts and they have a bunch of kids and the dad, you know, wears, wears 80s suits and ties and they don't own a TV. And like, it, I mean, the, I wear a lot of suits and ties from the 80s. But I get them tailored first. You get them tailored. (laughs) These guys are allergic to tailoring. But no, like even the most, if you imagine the most sold out IFB family that you can possibly think of. Yeah. Those people, they may be a little weird, but as long as they're not abusing their children, they're not hurting anybody. And people should be allowed to be a little bit weird. No, I mean we'll like, make fun of them on the internet, right? But like that's like, no, it. we'll we'll make fun of you on the internet, but like people should be allowed to be a little bit weird, and like most IFB people are just a little bit weird and and really pretty harmless. Yes, freedom of religion—that's what we're we're all for. Is right, of it's the the IFB leadership. The higher up you go, in that, the more likely. Uh, and there are IFB pastors that I trust, people that I've known personally from you know friends of my dad's from many many years ago. And your father as well when he was was IFB. And there are a select few IFB pastors that I actually really trust. Um, Very few, but they exist. Um, It's not the people. It's not the individuals. It's the leadership. And the higher up you go, the more likely you are to have tons and tons of dirt, tons and tons of skeletons in your closet. Well, how how often do we hear that exact same thing said about the police yeah, you know, the police departments about- where we're like, we, where we like, we know that there are individual police officers who are like, I want to do right by my community. And then when you get higher and higher and higher up and you see the way that the system is built, like more and more of the system is built where it's just going to be implicitly biased against some people other than mm-hmm. others. Um, and, you know, if you're if you're an officer, even if you do everything right, there's nothing that you can do to avoid that. Right. It's not necessarily the individuals that are the problem. It's the philosophy. It's the system. The IFB system is what I'm here to speak out about. And that's why um, I I don't name people on this show unless they're my friends and they give me their permission to uh, or unless they are, you know, convicted criminals. Unless they're an abuser that we want to just say. Or like abuser abuser. and there is tons of evidence and like it's very clear that i am naming the right person yeah um, or if it's somebody like jonathan mattingly who is like a public now, figure. He, he is a public figure but there, like there's a reason that i don't name individual ifb people even if i have like a beef with them or whatever right because 
it's not it's not them it's not the person it's not the member it's the philosophy the ifb philosophy and the ifb system is harmless it's it's harmful it is abusive it is toxic and i am not going to ever be ashamed for saying that i'm no i'm never going to be never going to stop saying and it's also about like very system. heavily normalized within uh right-wing circles of uh, uh american culture that sort of behavior right and it's it's that it's not the people that we're here to, to speak against ex- except for the people who need speaking against it's the system, it's the system. and i am never ever going to shut up about like this is a system that creates monsters this is a system that is bad yeah and on that note, I think that it's uh, it's about time for us to end this episode. It's been a short one, but it's something that we just had to say because it was it, it's of it's it's a still developing story and it's of massive importance to us. Um, yeah, and this was a little this get out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, go for it. No, this was a little bit of a ramble, but we wanted to have more of a discussion type episode and kind of contextualize the feelings of people like me and like our listener who. Uh, turned us on to the, the ABC 2020 episode where uh, we saw that Jonathan Mattingly attended Hiles Anderson and got our minds completely blown. Um, and we wanted to, I wanted to talk about my feelings, you know, about that and where this makes my mind go. And I think I've done a, a pretty good job of getting that out there um, because I, it gave me it gave me a lot of big feelings. <laughs> and um, I'm really glad we got to kind of go into some of those. Yeah. Well, um I guess I usually say this stuff at the beginning. Um, if you like this podcast, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please recommend it to our friend, to your friends, your family, your coworkers, um, people you don't like as well. They're still valuable to us as listeners. Um, you can uh, uh, join our Facebook group. It's called Eden Exodus. Uh, you find that on Facebook. We're going to definitely be having a big discussion about this. Uh, we've been having some good discussions lately in the, in the group. Uh, it's been fun. Um, also, you can join our Patreon. The Patreon, you know, if you want to su- uh, support us financially. Uh, Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music uh, or on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie. Oh, what wait, about TikTok? Uh, TikTok. You can follow me on TikTok. Right now, my screen name on there is Sadie Carpenter One. I'll let you know when I come up with something more fun to change it to. I'm too yeah. old for this. Um, the social media for the podcast is uh, at Leaving Eden Podcast on uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, at Leaving Eden Pod on Twitter. If you want to, like, if you have opinions about stuff, if you want to talk to us, you can send us a message, uh, an email, leavingedenpod at gmail.com. And then you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I am at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Um, and we will be back next week. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, bye bye. But old rolling river of time, you've me in too many days. No regrets, no confusion. I'm so thankful I decided
Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.